You're listening to audio from Highland Baptist Church in Waco, Texas. To find out more about Highland, go to www.hbcwaco.org. I I love that song, Waymaker, for so many reasons, so many great truths that we proclaim. Uh, A secondary reason I love that is because some of y'all have, I call it the Waymaker Shuffle. And I'm watching it in our senior adults. You're kind of going back and forth, Waymaker, Miracle. So senior adults keep shuffling. I love it. It's fun to watch y'all sing with that song on on Sundays. Hey, welcome for 10 o'clock online, 10 o'clock who are here today. It's a great honor to get to worship the Lord with you. We continue in a series called Change My Mind. And four weeks ago when we began this series, we began with kind of this springboard springboard statement. Every step toward godliness and every step toward sin begins with the thought. So if you want to just rewind the past 24 hours, any, any step you took toward spending time with God, knowing God, sharing the gospel, having a life of generosity, a life of encouragement, a life of putting other people's interests above your own, that that step toward godliness actually began with, with your thought processes, with your, with your mind. Now also rewind the last 24 hours. Any, any step you took toward ungodliness, toward rebellion, toward, toward sin, toward lust, toward selfishness, toward anger, that that step actually began with, with the thought. It began in your mind. It began with the processes, the thought processes of your brain. And so it's really important all throughout Scripture, really, that, that we're leaving and taking our, our brain to the Lord. We're, we're leaving our, our thoughts captive to, to Christ. There's very few things we do in life that are involuntary. Most everything that happens in life is because of a voluntary choice, an elective choice that we, that we have made. And all those choices are based on our thinking. And so when you choose anger or a critical word or gossip, it, it begins with a thought. When you choose laziness or apathy, it begins with a thought. When you choose pornography or sexual actions outside of the confines of biblical marriage it begins with a thought when you when you choose to be unforgiving when you choose to be bitter it begins with the thought now praise the lord the inverse is also true when you choose to honor the lord with your words and with your attitudes it begins with a thought when you choose to to serve others with humility it begins with a thought when you choose purity of the, of, the, of the eyes, of the heart, of the mind, when you choose to, to be inside of godly boundaries and relationships with others, that begins with the thought when you choose to forgive or, or build a bridge across racial lines or you choose to repent, it begins with a thought. You see, that's the power of the thought. That's the power of our thinking. It's the power of the mind. Now, last week, we were in the book of Philippians chapter four. Let's go back to the book of Philippians this week, but let's go to chapter two. Philippians chapter 2. And once we get there and read that, if you don't mind, just keep your Bible open. Even if you do mind, just keep your Bible open. Let's go to Philippians chapter 2. And then this is Paul writing to the church at Philippi, just as God is speaking to the church at Highland today. Philippians chapter 2, begin in verse 1. Let me read through this, and then we'll kind of go back verse by verse and make sure that we're understanding what God is saying to his people today. Philippians chapter 2 is the 11th book in the New Testament, if that helps a little bit. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, Romans, First and Second Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. Philippians chapter 2, beginning in verse 1. So if there is any encouragement in Christ, 
any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, that's the Holy Spirit, should be capital S, any affection, any sympathy, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interest, but also to the interest of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. Now the church here at Philippi is probably the healthiest of all the churches that Paul wrote to and and, and ministered to. And yet an issue had to be addressed even in a healthy church like the church at Philippi. And here's, here's the, the issue that needed to be addressed. How easily we allow our thinking to put ourselves as the center of the universe and everything revolves around us. I mean, I, I think Highland is a, is a healthy church. I, I look around this room and there's a lot of spiritual maturity in, in this house. Yet all of our natural tendencies is to put our own interest above the interest of others. And in that tendency, there can be disunity in in, in the church. And so Paul addresses that. Perhaps there was disunity in the church of Philippi or there's going to be disunity in the church of Philippi. So he addresses this, this, this tendency to put our interest above the interest of other people's. And it's really good that he did because it's, a, it's an issue that many churches are dealing with. It'll be very easy for this church to deal with it. But maybe even more than that, it is what the broader picture of the church across the, the nation especially is dealing with today. Because Christians don't fight their battles in church anymore. They fight it on the internet. And as a result, the whole world is seeing the hostility that Christians have toward other Christians. Let me just say this. It is devastating to the testimony of the gospel. This is what Jesus told us in John chapter 13. Oh, the world's going to know that you're my disciples by the love you have for one another. When we tear each other apart and that we were divided against the body, it undermines any communication we have to lost Waco and the lost world that there is a God who changes lives. Let's go back to verse one then. I encouraged you, even warned you to keep your Bible open. Verse one. So if there is any encouragement in Christ, any comfort, meaning from his love, any participation is the word koinonia, fellowship, common ground in the Holy Spirit. Any affection and sympathy, your Bible might render that word compassion. Let's stop right there. The, I think it's the word if that probably sounds the most confusing. Wait a minute. If there's encouragement in Christ, if there's comfort in his love, if we have common ground, koinonia, fellowship, or participation in, in the Spirit. So let me back it up a little bit. The word if there is called, a, in Greek, a first condition word, or a first class conditional word. The, the word if there is not, is not speculative. The, the best way to, to perhaps translate that would be the word since. Since there is encouragement in Christ, since there is comfort in his love, since there is participation in the spirit, since there is affection that we have from God, since there is sympathy we have from God, or maybe even better, the word, the word because would fit there. Because there's encouragement. Because we have 
comfort from the love of God, because we receive compassion from him, because we do have participation in the Holy Spirit. Now, moms and dads, you could probably give the same speech to your kids. If, if you did, it might go something like this. Okay, son. Okay, daughter, you have been loved. You have been encouraged. You have been fed. <laughs> You have been supported, you have been taught, you have been clothed, you have been cared for. I've given you all the affection and compassion and and goodness I could possibly give. May I please ask you to do something that would honor me? Like, get a job, you know, whatever that might might be, or mow the yard, or clean your room, or... For those of y'all with younger kids, eat your broccoli, whatever it would be. I've I've done these things for you. But but listen, Paul's pleas here are, are not legalistic at all. They're based on a loving response to the massive amounts of goodness that God has given his people. Verse 2 is interesting because now Paul says, you know, if God has given you all these things in Christ, would you also complete my joy? Here's, here's the heart of a shepherd. Here's the heart of a pastor. Here's the heart of a person who loves this church. He says, would you complete my joy of being of the same mind and having the same love and being in full accord, which means oneness. And he says again, of one mind. Paul is pushing the church at Philippi toward toward unity. Look at those phrases, same mind, same love, full accord, one mind. There's a call in this passage two different times. Same mind and one mind for us to think alike. And that goes against the American psyche. I mean, that definitely goes against the the Texas psyche. Where we say, don't tell me what to think. Don't tell me what to do. I'll just think for myself. But God, in his word right here, is calling us, Highland, daughters and sons of God, to be like-minded, to have the same mind, to operate in wisdom as, as a body, to think with wisdom together. In other words, wisdom is not some solitary attainment. Wisdom is community and relational attainment. In other words, loners are not wise. Wisdom is given and found and forged in the, in the fires of church community and the people of God, thinking biblically together, thinking about God's truth together. And I'll go on record to say that's a big call. I mean, you put 650 people in a, 650 Christians in a room, you have 750 opinions. Like, how are we going to think together? How are we going to have the same mind? How are we going to have one mind that we think alike? Well, the, the truth is going to be found in this. We have to think biblically together. There has to be a plumb line. There has to be a standard. There has to be something that we stand on together. It's God's word. So what's the opposite then of thinking together? What's the opposite then of operating together as wise people? We see it in verse 3. Selfish ambition and conceit. That's the exact opposite of thinking together with one mind. So verse 3 says, the beginning of it, do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit. The word conceit, fascinating word to me at least in Greek, is the word kenodoxia. Kenodoxia. Now if you grew up in church, that word doxia might sound vaguely familiar. It's where we get our English word doxology. 
which simply means glory. A, there's a song, maybe a lot of us sang growing up in church. We've sang it here before as well. It's called the doxology. It's, it's just giving glory to God. But the word keno here is where we get our English word kenosis, which means an emptying out or it is, it is no longer there. It is absent. So let me just tell you what God's word is saying here. Plain and simple. Do nothing out of glory hunger. And God is reminding us right here that all of our flesh, let's just be honest one more time, all of our flesh in here, we are hungry for glory. We want to be important. We want to be recognized. We want to be consequential. We want to be glorious people. This is why when we feel like we're being marginalized, we move ourselves to the center of attention. It's why when we feel like we're being overlooked or we feel like we're unimportant, we try to somehow manufacture a sense of glory within ourselves. If we feel like we're last, we start moving toward the front. If we feel like we're cosmically small, we begin to act pretentiously big. Because all of our flesh, we, we hunger for glory. We hunger to to be recognized, to be, to be known, to be consequential, to be worthy, to be important. What is it that drives that? Glory hunger, conceit, selfish ambition. So how are we then to think? Because this entire series is about changing the, the processes of, of our thoughts. How then are we to think? Well, verse three tells us the rest of it. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit. We've already learned that, but look at the rest of this. But in humility... Count others more significant than yourselves. You see, this is a brand new paradigm of, of thinking. Learning to think unselfishly and without egotistical conceit is going to require one big thing. You ready? Humility. Also translated here, lowliness. So let me give you this little tagline. Humility is the great opposite of a sense of entitlement. And Americans, we know entitlement. Oh, I deserve that. I, I really need that. I, I've worked hard toward that. You see, humility is the great opposite of this sense of entitlement that we're kind of all just born with. Humility is the opposite of you owe me. Humility is the opposite of me first. Humility is the opposite of I'm offended by anything and everything. Here's what Paul said when he was writing to the church of Rome back in Romans chapter 1 verse 4. Listen carefully. He said, I am under obligation to the Greeks and the barbarians. I am under obligation to the, to the wise and to the foolish. I am under obligation. In other words, Paul is saying in, in that passage, Romans 1.14, that, that the Greeks and the barbarians owe him nothing. That the fools owe him nothing. The wise owe him nothing. He owed them that's a whole new way of thinking for us. Verse 4 even expounds further. Let each of you look not only to his own interest, but also to the interest of others. I know some of you wake up on Sunday morning and you come to Highland and you're thinking, man, I really hope that preacher guy uses a Greek word today. I love Greek words. There's another 50% of you that wake up on Sunday morning and you say, if that preacher guy uses one more Greek word, I'm, I'm finding me a church that doesn't use Greek at all. Like I just, please, no more Greek words. So I'm, I'm going to appeal to both of you today because the word interest right here is twice in verse four, 
Let each of you not look to his own interest, but also the interest of others. Those who love Greek, those who don't love Greek, you're both going to be happy with this. That word's not there in Greek. It's, it's, it's blank. If you were to read the original translation of Philippians chapter 2, verse 4, it would say, let each of you look not only to his own, but also to the of others. So the translators realized that, that there was no word there whatsoever, and so they had to put a, a far-reaching word because Paul purposely left that out as he was writing this. It was an open-ended thing. So let each of you look not only to his own whatever, but look also to the whatever of others. It really could be, let each of you not only look to your own financial affairs or your own property or your own family or your own health or your own reputation or your own education or your own success or your own happiness. Don't just spend all your life strategizing and working how you can get your interest put up a top shelf. Instead, look to the financial affairs and the property and the family and the health and the reputation and the education and the success and the happiness of others. Here's the tagline. Find your joy in making others joyful. We have just kind of put our things above everybody else's things. And that's what the scripture is saying right here. Whether it's the word interest or the word things or the word everything. Each of you don't look after just your stuff. But also be concerned with the stuff of others. I think verse 4 is a way of repeating Jesus's command to us in Matthew chapter 23. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. That is, make, make sure that you're, you're working toward the good and the joy of others. Let that be your interest. Let that be your work. Let that be the strategies of your life. And let's, you know, here we go again. Masks off. It is easy when others are friends. When the others are, you know, Highlanders. Or the others are in your ABF. Or the others are within your, your CG, your life group, your connection group. It's easy when they think the same way you think. You know, it's difficult to put your interests below the interests of others when those others are your enemy. Or think radically differently than you do. Or you've been wronged by them. I mean, you know that you're in the right of that situation, but they have wronged you. You know who's really tough to put above, interest above your own? The others are those that you love that don't love you back. Hmm. Verse 5. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. So how can Christians walk through this life with this humble sense that, that we owe others, not that people owe us, although that's the way most of us live life, is that you owe me. How can Christians walk through life with this humble sense that we owe others rather than them owing us? The answer is simply this, Christ. Jesus loved us and died for us and forgave us and accepted us and justified us and gave us eternal life and made us heirs of his dad when he owed us nothing. He treated us as worthy of his service, even though we were not worthy of his service. He thought not only, Christ thought not only of his own interest, but of yours. 
So consider this with me. Jesus counted us as greater than himself. I know that's an outrageous statement. I know that's a scandalous claim. That Jesus counted us as greater than himself. But that's the entire essence of Philippians chapter 2. The entire context is that this is what Christ has done. He has counted us as greater than himself. He put our interest above his own interest. And I think I'm going to need you to stand on this one. Would you stand please as I read for you the full context of Philippians 2. Just verses 1 through 8. This scandalous claim, this outrageous statement that Jesus counted us as greater than himself. Philippians 2.1. So because there's encouragement. Since there is encouragement in Christ. Because there's comfort from his love. Because we do have participation in the Holy Spirit. Affection and sympathy from him. Complete my joy by being of the same mind. Having the same love. Being in full accord and of one mind. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit. But in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, stuff, things. But also to the interest of others. Have this mind among yourselves, Highland, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, And being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. This is where humility comes from. When we're overwhelmed by grace, yes, the grace of the cross, but also that moment by moment arriving grace that comes to us through Christ Jesus, both now and forever. So Christians, here's the deal. We are stunned into humility. We are startled into lowliness. We have been freely served by Jesus. Therefore, it is so easy for us to freely serve others. Oh God, change my mind. Would you bow your heart with me, please? God, this is an upside down mindset for us because we have been raised with entitlement. We have been raised with me first. We've been raised with me only. And God, I I believe today, I confess today that my mind, our minds need a radical rearrangement to where we're actually thinking of others before we think of ourselves. That we put the interest of others above our own interest. If we're truly going to call ourselves followers of Christ, then we're going to need to follow Christ in his way of humility. Seeing us as greater than himself Therefore, we somehow, God, by your grace, you're going to need to see others as more important than ourselves. 
what a radical idea that will only be fueled by radical grace and radical obedience. So God, build our lives upon this foundation of considering others, just simply being conduits. God, as your love comes in us, through us, that we just redistribute it to others. As your grace comes to us, that we simply become grace redistributors to a city and to a nation and to a world that is desperate in need of hope and of your good news. In Christ we pray and we sing. Amen.